0: And I'm back. Thank you for sticking around. Thank you for uh, joining me on this fine Saturday afternoon, this fine Labor Day weekend. I hope everybody's having a fantastic Labor Day weekend. And I hope your the remainder of your Labor Day weekend is a, is a great one. And I just want to touch on a couple more things in, in this half of the show before I open things up to questions. And uh, the next thing I want to talk about, and I, I love this topic, because it's, I, I love Steelers history and, 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 and thinking back to some, uh, some of my favorite times. And, and that's why I love doing the, the, uh, the new show with Brian every, every uh, Tuesday morning. I think it's going to be changed for a different day during, during the regular season, but I'm not sure yet. I think I discussed it with Brian and shame on me for not remembering, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be changed for a different day. So stay tuned. We'll, 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 we'll announce that, but, but either way, it's, it's 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 a thrill to do that show because it, it just it takes me back to those some of my my most uh, my fondest memories as a Steelers fan. And um I realized something over the last few weeks because I've been watching a lot of old games involving Bill Cower. Because uh, you know we, we did the, the the wild card game against the Browns. We we did that that game a couple weeks ago. We did the uh, we talked about the the, the thrilling uh, regular season win against the Patriots back in 1997. That was sort of a prelude to the another exciting game against the Patriots in the playoffs a few weeks later. And of course, this week I'm watching the uh, a game against the Bengals. It was a kind of a fun comeback against the bengals in 1995 where they were down by 18 points and they wound up winning by 18 points at at old riverfront stadium it was a it was a one of my favorite um bengals games steeler bengals games all uh, forever uh, you know of all time of course because it was such a, a thrilling uh, comeback and it was almost embarrassing at the end how they were dominating them after after being embarrassed early in that game but I uh, it, it like watching these these last three games and covering these last three games, it reminds me of how much I love Bill Cowher and his mannerisms and his enthusiasm and everything that he helped helped uh, accomplish here as a, as the a Steelers coach for 15 years. And I often forget about that because because uh, I spend so much time defending Mike Tomlin and often at at, at Bill Cowher's def, uh, expense because I find myself repeatedly. Uh, bring up Cowers flaws when he was here as, as the head coach, and make the mistake about it. He had his flaws. He had his his critics. He had his detractors, and basically, he had the same kind of reputation that, that Mike Tomlin has now. He had that same kind of reputation all throughout his coaching career up until he won Super Bowl Forty. And a lot of people, I I, I realize that might be hard to believe or or remember for a lot of people, but it's the truth. You know, now you you you. We talk about Bill Cower, He's practically canonized in Steeler Nation. He's that guy you see on the meme you always see on Facebook. You know, am I gonna have to come come back and straighten things out? You know, he's the perfect head coach. He never made any mistakes, but he certainly had his uh, his uh, less than stellar moments when he was here, and especially in the late '90s. I don't know if you, if anybody remembers the late '90s, or if if anybody's from Pittsburgh and if anybody was living in Pittsburgh during that time but it was it was a you know i hate to s- sound overly dramatic cuz we are just talking about football but from a a pure steelers fan standpoint from from as you know following the team it was a pretty chaotic time in the late 90s because they had they had their they just had their six year run from 92 through 97 when they were a a legit super bowl contender and they made several afc championship games they made it to the super bowl super bowl 30 but they came up short each year. They fell short every every season, each one of those seasons. And then finally, you know, the floor dropped out in nineteen ninety-eight. You know, they they back then the Steelers didn't really go out of their way to sign their free agents. You know, they they tried to do like a college football system where they would they would uh draft players and develop them and then after a few years they would become the starters once these high price free agents left. But you can only do that for so long before he catches up to you. I mean, they lost guys like practically their whole receiving core. Uh, Andre Hastings, Ernie Mills, and then finally, Thickpen. Thigpen. Uh, they lost Leon Searcy, who was Bill Cowher's first draft pick. He was a, a starting right tackle. They lost him. The free agency, they, they ultimately lost John Jackson. They lost Chad Brown, uh, who they might have re-signed had they known that Greg Lloyd who they already had signed to a a a deal had they known that he would have so many injury problems and ultimately have to have to leave after the 97 season they they let rod woodson walk you know there were so many guys that they left walk and and of course there were a lot of coaching changes you know assistant coaches coordinating changes uh so after that 97 season uh uh it looked like the the train was going to continue on and they were going to continue to be successful and, and that 98 season started out fairly well. They were seven and four. They were in first place, uh, by Thanksgiving. And then, then again, the bottom dropped out and, and, uh, Cordell went from being the toast of the town one summer. I, I swear, I swear to God, I was out hitting golf balls with my uncle. We were at a driving range and everywhere you looked, it was either right before the AFC championship game or after when they lost to Denver, it was around that time when Cordell was slashed and everybody loved him. There were number 10 jerseys everywhere. Well, by like 98, he was public enemy number one, you know, and, and Coward did him no favors, but with the way he handled him, uh, you know, Chan Gailey left after 97, he was his first offensive coordinator as a starter. He left to be the Cowboys coach that happens. They brought in Ray Sherman the next year. He only lasted a year. It just did not work out with him. If you remember Ray Sherman, he was, he filled in as the uh, receivers coach last year when, after the unfortunate passing of Daryl Drakes. And uh, Ray Sherman was the coordinator in 98, then he left. And that was Kevin Gilbright for a couple of years. And that really didn't work. And during that time frame, Stewart was, uh, he lost his job. It was Mike Tomczak as the starter. Um, it, it went so far that it got so bad that, that Stewart was banished from the quarterback meetings and he was just allowed to go to the receivers meetings. He was only a receiver at that point uh, in 2000, they signed Kent Graham and he somehow won the starting job in the preseason. And that's an indictment of Cordell too. I mean, let's be honest, if you can't beat out Kent Graham, that says something, but he, he lost, he was not the starter or he, he uh, Kent Graham was the starter at the beginning of the 2000 season uh, before Stewart finally, finally uh, won the or was named the starter uh, later in the year, and ultimately uh, he went through four offensive coordinators over the course of the five years. He went from from Gailey to to Sherman to Gilbride to Mike Malarkey, Finally, in two thousand one, that seemed to work out a little bit better. But during, could you imagine that today, if there were four, if the Steelers went through four coordinators in a half a decade, it would be it would just be chaos right? And, you know, so there was there was that situation and how the fans quickly turned on Stewart and, and there were these vicious rumors about his sexuality, you know, not that it was anybody's business, but if it were true, but people tried to weapon, like, for some reason, they tried to weaponize that and use it against him, simply because he was he was having a, his struggles as a quarterback. I mean, uh, and of course, there, there were the racial issues with, with, with Stewart. I mean, I listen to a lot of talk radio. I've been listening to talk radio since high school and And I remember like listening to Stan and Guy on the radio and Mark Madden, Myron Cope, you know, the post game shows, the Copa Cabana with Tunchiok. And time and time again, people would call in, they'd begin to say something about Stewart. And then the call would be dropped because they were saying something, who knows what they were saying. I can only imagine, but it it was a, it was an ugly side of uh, Pittsburgh that I only heard about as a kid, but I got to experience as an adult. And of course there were rumors about Bill Cower during that time. Like, these rumors weren't, they never made it to the news or the newspaper. They were just word of mouth with the fans. I don't know how they got started, but there were rumors that Cower was cheating on his wife. Uh, I heard it on, on the bus one day coming home from Pitt when I worked at Pitt. And so I said, I got to get home and, and, and watch the news or, or listen to the radio. And there was nothing about it. And I, I asked my boss about it the next day at Pitt. And here's a guy that worked, he was on Thomas Starzl's transplant team in the 80s. Thomas Starzwell at one one time was the most high-profile doctor in the world, probably. He was a transplant pioneer. And my old boss at Pitt worked on his transplant team in the 80s. And he even said, oh, yeah, I know a guy who knows for a fact that Kauer was cheating on his wife. Again, not that this was anybody's business if it were true, but people were trying to weaponize it because they were just disgusted with Bill Kauer and the fact that he came up short and the fact that the uh, war of attrition in terms of letting all the free agents leave how it finally cut up to the team and there was a point between the uh the the thanksgiving game in 1998 the 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 famous jerome bettis uh coin toss game where he said hotels and they they the steelers lost that game well from that point through early 2000 they lost 18 out of 24 games i mean it was ugly right and there was a very public power struggle between Cower and and Tom Donahoe, who was the he, he was back then the Steelers didn't like to call anybody their general manager. He was named he was the the uh the play, uh director of player personnel, but he was essentially the, essentially the general manager. And there, and him and Cower hated each other. And uh, the Rooney's almost chose Donahoe over Cower, but you know, it, it could have very easily went that way, but they stuck with Cower and um. Uh, there, there were, you know, Cower wasn't the, the friendliest with the media. Uh, you know, we talk about Tomlin today being gruff with the media, but Cower was the same way, getting arguing with, with reporters. And uh, Myron Cope in his book often talked about how, how uh, Cower would argue with him in between segments of the Bill Cower show. And Stan, Stan Saverin said the same thing about how Cower would be really confrontational in between takes. Don't ask me that question. Ever again, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it, it wasn't all sunshine and roses, and and um, that's why when people say to me today, when they say you don't think Tomlin should be fired, I say no because because I remember how things were back then, and I remember how Coward got through all that. I mean, it was it, again. It was really ugly around here in terms of. I mean, there were rumors it was that that, that Cower was not um, easy to work with for, for his assistant coaches. You know, a lot of guys left, like, like like Dick LeBeau, who was the defensive coordinator in the mid-90s. He left to take essentially the same job in Cincinnati. I mean, you know, he eventually became their head coach. So maybe he had aspirations and he thought that would be a, a, a good way to become a head coach. But it seemed weird at the time that he would take a lateral move to go do, the, you know, work for the, the lowly bungles. Right. Even though he did have a history with them, still, it just seems strange and uh so the, the point is coward got through all that and and he rebuilt the, the roster and you know eventually as we know they won super bowl 40 so when he did when he left after the 2006 season i was worried i mean i i i i i i'm, I'm somebody who appreciates consistency when it comes to uh the teams that i follow i mean maybe they don't always uh Reached their highest potential which which uh is disappointing but but there's something to be, there's something to be said for for consistency year in and year out knowing that your team has the right guy in place to to, to keep your even even if you have some down years he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna uh, build build the team back up again so when he left after fifteen years i was I was pretty worried i mean ask pit basketball fans about that jamie dixon who who kind of built on what Ben Howland started, started back in the early 2000s. He was, he's the greatest coach in Pitt history, but a lot of fans and a lot of alumni were, were becoming disgruntled with him because he could never quite get them over the top. He never got them to a final four. The, the, the furthest they got under him was the, the elite eight back in 2009. So, you know, eventually he, I guess he finally said, all right, you want me to go? I'll leave. And he left and he, he went to become the head coach at TCU. And I mean, pit basketball really, really bottomed out. And it looks like they got lucky with Jeff Capels, who looks like he could be the, uh, he he could take the uh, program, uh, he could bring the program back to where it was in its glory days of the 2000s. But, you know, I mean, be careful what you wish for sometimes. So when, when, um, uh, when people say do you think you think Cow will be will be fired if the Steelers uh don't make the playoffs this year i say no i you know i, I think it would take several years of, of of really bad several bad seasons for them to decide to move on from him you know and and i think it's a good like if you look if you think back to those to the late 90s and how ugly things were you know it, it makes the 2019 offseason seem like nothing i mean we like we wanted to print out t-shirts you know, remember, never forget 2019 offseason, how bad it was. But there have been so many bad and and tumultuous times in Steelers history you don't even know about because social media didn't exist. Now everybody has everybody has a platform, where everybody has a way to to share their opinion. And you know everybody's opinion about everything all the time. Whereas back then you didn't get to uh you didn't get to to hear everybody what everybody thought about every little thing. Because social media didn't exist, but if, if but had social media been around in the late '90s in the early 2000s, when all this craziness was taking place, and and the uh, after Cowher's first playoff run, I mean, you know, it would it would have been uh, pretty eye opening. I'm, I'm guessing, right? And people, and and, and and again, if you think I'm crazy, I'm not. I remember it. There's, I wish I could travel more, and and, and I wish I had more money and I could travel the country more. But one of the benefits of of living in Pittsburgh my whole life, as I re, I remember just about everything that has happened with the team since 1980, when I was a little kid. And believe me when I tell you, um, all the criticisms that Tomlin is facing right now or has faced over the past decade or so, Cowher had the same problem. You know, he was too much of a player's coach. He could never win the big games. He he was horrible at clock management. It was all the same thing. So. I guess the point I'm trying to make is, just because things seem bad—or not that they're bad now—but they've they've seemed pretty chaotic in, in recent times. It's nothing different than it was when it was in the late '90s or even in the '80s with Chuck Knoll and uh, the Rooney's went to him a number of times and said, "Look, you got to change your assistant. you got to fire some assistant coaches, or you might lose your job." Dan Rooney fired his own brother, Art Jr., who was the head of. The scouting department he said it's, we're not we're just not getting it done here you have to you have to we have to make a change and i mean could you imagine that happening today i mean it would just be it would be like the biggest stealer story ever right if they if if they fight if, if art the second had to fire one of his relatives you know um the 70s uh when when chuck chuck mill was was, was sued by george atkinson because he said the raiders were uh, were a criminal element, and then under oath, he had to know had to uh, had to admit that guys like Mel Blunt, his pl- own players, were part of the criminal element in the NFL. And you know, as you might expect, Mel Blunt didn't take that too kindly. And there were holdouts, and and of course the the famous story of Ernie Ernie Holmes shooting at a helicopter after a police chase. So I mean, it's like what what I always uh, uh, Randy Grossman. Uh, I, I, I remember reading a quote from him and and, and a Jim O'Brien book. I I read from the uh, from like 2010 I think it was, and Randy Grossman's quote was, "Anybody who thinks the good old days were all that great are only kidding themselves." So, you know, do I? So the next time you say, "Should should Mike Tomlin be fired?" No, not really. I just just think about what that would mean and and the potential um, people that could cause and, and look at the teams that are constantly firing their coaches and and how much success they have. And, and it's not very, it's not very much success. So I just, I just wanted to talk about one more thing before I open it up to some questions. And that's, we finally made it. The off season is officially over, right? If, if today's cut down day, that means everything after this is going to be all, all about the New York giants, the Steelers first opponent next week. So that means we're officially in the regular season. And I mean it was touch and go with the with the pandemic it was touch and go for a while there whether we would have a regular season and we're still not out of the woods i mean don't get me wrong it, it, it could just take one outbreak from one team and it might ruin everything and it might be postponed and who knows what's going to happen i still don't know how they're going to handle like a, a florida Mar- marlin situation or a saint louis cardinal situation where there's a massive outbreak on a team If if it were to come to that i don't know what the nfl would do other than make that team forfeit. So we're, we're not out of the woods, but we are into the regular season. And this Thursday, it'll be the Chiefs and the Texans. And then of course, next Monday night, it'll be the Steelers and, and, and the Giants at the Meadowlands or, or MetLife Stadium, I should say. But I'm really looking forward to, uh, to next Sunday, believe it or not. That's the day I'm really looking forward to. When I get to sit in my recliner, my recliner is like 10 feet away, 20 feet, 15 feet away, in my living room over there and and just watch one game after another, uh the one o'clock game, the four o'clock game and the eight o'clock game. I, I just can't wait. I mean it's uh you know it's 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 been quite a a a year for all of us, right? You know, life's just been been insane. But to have something to look forward to like like my favorite sport, which is football in, in, in the NFL, I, I just uh I never thought thought we would get we would make it here, and here we are. So, uh, give yourself a hand. You made it to the uh, you made it to the regular season. So, those are all the topics I want to talk about today. And now I will open open things up to some questions. So, let's see what we have here in, in the live chat. From Donald Nolan, I like growth from within. I like Sean Surrett taking over for Munchak as the offensive court, after, uh, I'm sorry, the offensive uh, line coach in, in 2019. Sarah got several years in house before promotion much better than searching NFL for potential fits. I agree. I agree. I mean, that's something that not all teams do. He was sort of like a, uh, a uh, protege of Munchak and, 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 you know, he learned under him. And if you can't learn under Munchak, you can't learn under anybody. He's arguably the greatest offensive line coach who's ever lived. So uh, if he doesn't, if he didn't gain anything from that experience, then and shame on him. So here's one from Maddie Peverall. Tony, who is your roster must and miss? Must and miss? I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not I don't quite understand that question. Uh Maddie. Please elaborate and I'll get back to you. Here's one, here's a another uh comment from Donald Nolan. If Tommy gets more Super Bowl wins than Noel, which coach goes down as greatest as Steelers coach ever? Well, I mean it's that's just a matter of opinion you know let, let you know um uh Tomlin's already lost the super bowl as did cower whereas chuck Nolan never did so you could, he'll always have he'll always that ha, have that feather in his cap but if he goes on to win five super bowls you know that's he'll certainly carve out a, a nice little uh place for himself not only in steelers history but in nfl history i mean he'll, he'll create a legacy that that at, at this point, only Bill Belichick's been able to achieve. Here's uh, I got. I have to, Here's one from Mark Tobin. Sorry, I'm having a little bit of trouble with the live chat here. It's going too fast for me. You guys are really asking questions. Okay, would you agree, Tom, and legacy is on the line to win a Super Bowl with talent he drafted and a team he built himself with Colbert? Well, as far as public perception. The whole he won with college players thing that that people never let go of. A lot of people are, are still on that on that um are, are still beating that drum. Twelve years after Super Bowl forty three, I mean, yeah, it's probably a bit uh, a, a bit on the line. But I'll i also say this: if Tomlin were to to quit today and never win another Super Bowl, I almost guarantee you, people are going to be comparing the next guy to him and saying. It was so much better when Tomlin was around because it's it's like that old saying. You never know what you got until it's gone, and I think it was the, again. It was the same way under Kauer. uh He was under constant criticism until he finally won Super Bowl Forty. And, you know, um, whereas has already won a Super Bowl, and people aren't giving him credit for it. So in a way, you're you're right. He's gonna, he's, you know, his legacy, at the very least, will be will be. Um, Cemented if he wins another one, because people can people can never say that he won with somebody else's players. All right, here's here's a comment from Ezra. Boy, these comments are really moving fast today. uh Steeler storybook ending. Ben and Tomlin win the next two Super Bowls. Well, yeah, that's. I think it'll be a storybook ending no matter what if they if that happens. Uh. Here's one from Mr. Marcus. A comment: Tomlin is doing a hell of a job. Well, I agree. I agree. I mean, again, it's tough to find that kind of consistency in the NFL. You know, like I always say, if you if you miss on, on the quarterback and if you miss on the head coach time and time again, chances are your your team's going to be in the gutter. It's going it's going to it's going to be in bad shape. So if you can't get uh, one or both of those areas of your team right. Then you're going to be in you're going to be in trouble. And the Steelers have had, uh, they, they've they've had the right guy as far as head coach every year since 1969. And as far as the quarterback, they've had the right guy in place since since 2004. Here, so you know the people that always say, "Oh, get rid of this guy or cut Ben. He's old. He's washed up." Well, again, careful what you wish for because those kind of people. Those invaluable members of an organization aren't that easy to replace. Tony, check the super chat. Did I miss a super chat? I I, I thought I answered one before. Here's one. Oh, okay. Sorry, Dave. Thank you for that five dollars. And thank you for who yelled at me. Whoever yelled at me, thank you for for. Sometimes I I need to be I, I need a kick in the butt. Sometimes I need a pat on the back. But in this case, I needed a kick in the butt. So thank you for that. Name a head coach for Rooney's fired to. To the contributors oh he's I, um they haven't fired anybody since the uh since the late six bill austin was the last guy that they fired um before chuck knoll so if that's what you mean but thank you for the thank you for that donation dave here we go here's one from ezra i knew this would come up josh rosen was he, he's either already been cut or he will be cut Rosen over Duck, Davis over Dangerfield. Well, yeah, I I would definitely uh, I would not have a problem with either one of those, to be honest, because I think Davis is a better pure safety than Dangerfield. Dangerfield's a, a great special teams guy, but but when you're talking about like pure quality safety depth, Davis would be a, certainly an upgrade. And again, he would he would, he would provide position position flexibility. Sorry, I'm I'm uh, talking really fast again. As far as Rosen, I mean. What would it hurt to take a flyer on that guy at this point? You know, w- once you get to your third string quarterback, you're in trouble anyway. So, here's a guy that that was a top ten pick by the Cardinals in 2018. Heading into that draft, he was in contention for the number one overall pick. Uh, he was a um, as far as the the combine passing drills, he was one of the better pure passers in that in that in that uh, draft class. But, you know, when, when it comes to but, but it is strange that, that one year after they, they drafted him 10th overall, the Cardinals decided to cut ties with him and, and and draft Kyler Murray. I mean, you don't usually do that that quickly after investing in a quarterback that high in the draft. And he couldn't catch on last year with the Dolphins. Uh, you know, the word about the word on on Rosen is he has a bad attitude. that has been the uh, the book on him since college. So, do you want a, a guy like that? Do you, do you want to bring a guy like that into your system? And a guy that could be a, a potentially be a, a bad teammate, a guy that's going to be hard to, to get along with, a guy that's going to be hard to coach. I don't know. But in terms of pure talent and pedigree, I mean, he's worth taking a flyer on as as a, as a if you want to sign. Maybe sign him to the practice squad, like they did with pa- Paxton Lynch last year. I mean, what could it hurt? I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be uh, interesting to see what they. What happens with that? And, and um, here's a comment from Ezra about Sean Davis. Davis is younger and knows the defense. That's right. And he started both safety safety positions, and he started as as a slot corner in his rookie year. So if he, if he would agree to come here and be the backup, kind of like with uh, with Stephen Wisniewski on the line, there's a guy that you'd be comfortable with if if he had to step in and start. For a game or two because he's already done that for you it wouldn't be a huge obviously it'd be a huge drop off from minka but excuse me at least he's done that for you and he's he started nfl games he started playoff games for you so that's why you know quality depth is important so uh that's about all i have for today and i want to thank you all for for your questions thank you for the super chat donations and thank you for the interaction it was fun as always and and i hope you all have a great again a great labor day weekend and i will talk to you on monday at five o'clock with brian anthony davis on uh, davis fast talker on steelers q a but for now thank you for watching steelers brunch with tony have a great weekend everybody